Hey guys, welcome back to the Phil Krause Survival Podcast. Today's, uh, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. I am your host, Mike Glover. And Who the today's fuck co- am I? Today's co-host is uh, none other than the best co-host on the motherfucking planet. Kurt Hohan. <laughs> um, oh, so what's new, Does Kurt? Does my cackle ever get old? I, it probably does. It doesn't at all. You know what? I think it's infectious. Like a disease. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, it's like athlete's foot. It just never goes away. Yeah, it's like that syphilis, you know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> uh, nothing. I'm I'm still in the, I'm at the tail end of recovery phase. Somebody that's in the medical profession would probably disagree with, you know, concussion protocol goes for like a couple weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, but I feel good, so. Oh, this is after, this is post. Uh, yeah, remember why you wanted to do the accident. podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what the whole podcast is about. You wanted to get my my life or death friggin' experience. So I was going to do a couple of things for the podcast. Number one, we're going to talk about your harrowing experience where I saved you. I drugged <laughs> yeah. you out of the car, yeah. carried you on my back. Yeah. Um. So, because there's a lot of lessons learned in that. Absolutely. Um, also, talk about some a couple current events. I mean, a few things have happened. And, uh, just a few. Just a few. <laughs> it doesn't seem like we did a... We just did a podcast. Or yeah. was that before SHOT Show? No, was it, was, before. it was before SHOT Show, yeah. Dang, time flies, man. Yeah. I just got back from Arizona. You did. And then... Um, and also, we've been talking about some upcoming things that we got going on. Which Always. is as per. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we want to give you guys some sur- sur- <laughs> survival <laughs> tips. It's the end of the day, so yeah. luckily I got a well, rock We have to story. describe the situation right now. We're in our office in Colorado, yeah. and we're doing what we normally do, which is podcasts uh, on a very irregular schedule. You don't have pants on, as, yeah. as usual? I'm in a, a banana hammock. Um, with polka dots on it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Everybody's like... No, we're not. Mike's in a flannel, I'm in a t-shirt, and pants. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you want to take your pants off. <laughs> I think you want me to take my pants off. That's the... Hey, I want you to be comfortable, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. So when we start inviting guests, the first thing you're going to ask people is to take their pants off when they're on the podcast. Hey, if you want to be on the podcast, you got to take your pants off when you come in the room. That's <laughs> yeah. how we roll. There's a Sibian. You could opt to sit on the Sibian. Oh, um, yes. We're selling Sibians like crazy. I know, man. Yeah, we get a... You know, the markup on those is... <laughs> There's a good margin on Sibians. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, hey, so current events. You know, did you see that teacher? Did you, I posted the Marine Dude, rapper. Who does that? That guy? What's his name? What a dirtbag. Yeah, I don't know who the... You know what? I, I couldn't even listen to the recording. Let me, let me tell you this. I'm not going to take the time to look that fuckhead's name up. Yeah. Anybody that, that literally is like... Teaching in, children. In front of students telling them that the lowest of the low served in the military. Uh, one, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, two, you shouldn't be in front of people talking. And three, you should probably get your fucking teeth knocked out. Those kind I of... I can't think of a... like. How disrespectful is that to, to talk to, about people like that? Yeah, to you know? children. Yeah. The most influential minds on the of planet. Of course, because he's pushing his fucking Agenda. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Those kind of guys are the guys we need to strap parachutes to and drop them in Syria. Fuck a parachute. I was just thinking lawn dart their ass. Well, I was Syria. just, I, I want them to go through a, a series of uh, unfortunate events. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want them to get a life experience and come back and. If they make it out, then they're more appreciated. But if they don't, hey, man, it's just... I was hoping for no parachute with a GoPro, and then we recover the camera and watch the footage. That would actually be cool. (laughs) 
Um, Anyways, that was some bullshit, man. Yeah, you know that they they forget. I mean, he's a he's like a public servant, right? right. He works for an institution, the gov uh, or a yeah. uh, a public school, and he was spitting all this trash, talking shit. Yeah, he, there's a whole bunch of stuff that he said. I mean, he said there was. that yeah, um, soldiers at the, the bottom. Yeah, the, that's what the part that really irritated me or pissed me off because it's like. Dude, I've, we've worked with some of the brightest guys on the planet, some of the bravest guys on the planet. And to say that about servicemen and women, like, one, you're a pussy. Yeah. Um, it's just irritating. Well, the reason right? he has those freedoms to do that in the first place is because... Yeah, which is cool. I respect that. And yeah. I actually support people's right to run their suck. Yeah, but you're a teacher. You don't have that right. Yeah, just I just think it was done uh, in a obviously done in the wrong environment, and I think the guy's a boob. So yeah, well, boobs are better than he is. <laughs> so let's like oh, that's true. Yeah. What's worse than a boob? A taint. You're a taint. Nobody Ooh, likes God. a taint. Yeah. Just a stinky ass taint. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I know. That just the the mental it, vision yeah. on that was I'm terrible. Hungry, by the way. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm gonna get some taint when I get out. Get here. some grilled taint. Some grilled taint. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so, let's get off that. Let's let's get off the taint, let's get off bro. The taint. <laughs> <laughs> Man, my brain's going in different circles. Um, what else do we got going on in current events? You know, it, it's weird. I've been, you know, the something that's standing out to me is. <laughs> I feel like you're not with it tonight. No, I am. <laughs> I am. I'm trying to. Yeah. I'm coming back. I'm detached from current events. Yeah, and it feels kind of good because you know I can't even stomach turning on the news nowadays. Well, yeah, you also watch CNN like religiously, which is weird well, to me. <laughs> no, no. Well, I like watching it because I look, I like looking at the enemy's perspective. Like <laughs> I'm building my target packet. Yeah. Well, I just see the shit that they say. I mean, Fox News is is it not any better on the other side of the spectrum? Yeah, there's no news anymore. Right. I mean, you can't really get news because it's all bias. Yeah. And and. My the comical thing is the news like CNN trying to say that they're not biased. Oh, I know, I it's love like, it. Really, yeah. dude? Oh, I think they were uh, they were accusing the president. Uh, there was some whack job that called into CNN. He was actually a young dude, like eighteen, nineteen years old. Called in and he's like, "I'm coming there with a friggin' semi-auto firearm and I'm gonna gun all you fuckers down or something crazy, right?" <laughs> and so immediately CNN is like. The president of the United States has incited this violence, and it's like... Oh, my God. It's like, no, guys, I'm going to tell you what's inciting people is the fact that you fucking lie every time you open your mouth. Absolutely. And you don't uh, report the facts. Or, so. or, you're, or you're on reporting about violence, like... Oh, yeah. The, the people rioting and destroying That's our okay. cities. And they're saying, hey, th you know, they need to vent their anger and it's yeah. justified. Yeah. Uh, that's Bullshit. inciting and facilitating violence. Yeah, exactly. Making it okay for those people to break oh, the law. Oh, man. Let's Anyways, just, yeah, I hate that shit. Man. I do too, man. It's such a fucking downer. I do too. You know, we, we talked some mindset stuff. We're not going to do a Modern Mindset podcast this week because um, oh, we're saving that for next week. I think we're going to do like one Phil Craft and one Mindset each week. Um, but, you know, a lot of people have been, I've got a lot of traffic, man, about how mindset stuff that we've been putting out there has improved yeah. or is improving people's lives. Quality of life. I, I think it's important, man. It's like some of the most important stuff that we put out. And that stuff, you know, it's, I want kind of people to understand, you know, I did a post this this week about emulation. Like my whole thing is, just like what we do, you know, we, we come up with an idea, you know, I, look, people are going to emulate everything. 
you know, yeah. to a, to a certain extent, we we emulate and follow people because uh, we respect them. We we just track their progress. Their successful influences, yeah. exactly. But but um, emulating people, copying people, and not giving them credit. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's one thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but th- on the other end of that is just being you and doing you and yeah. not so worried about what the fuck is going on in everybody else's life or what their what their perception of you is yeah. and and constantly like looking in t- inside your yourself and kind of mismanaging your self-esteem right and and it grossly affects your life and especially kids or younger people oh yeah because their kind of like take on their Self-esteem is based off what they see on social media, what they get in communication for social media, and it could be damaging. Oh yeah, absolutely. I it actually reminds me of a uh, it's kind of a, <clears throat> a personal story, but my youngest daughter came home and um, she was having a, a you know a hard time reading in class one day, and one of the boys was teasing her about it, which you know she came home and she was affected by that. What's his fucking name? Yeah, exactly. Fucking number one on the HVT list, dude. Um, no, but I, you know, I talked to my daughter about that and built her up and said, "Hey, don't worry about what other people think. Keep, keep doing you." I said, "You know, uh, don't let it affect you." Which I mean, you know, it's hard to apply that as a child because I think back to you know when we were in grade school, middle school, high school. You want to be liked, you want to be accepted, right? And you got to deal with all that bullshit. What's funny, though, as you become older as an adult, (laughs) it's like now, you know, I'm almost 40. You're like 49, but look, 29. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we don't care about that as much as I think probably we used to. Part of that's, I think, maturity and like the experiences that you go through. But if you can teach yourself not to to care as much, I think, about the stuff you've been talking about in the beginning, like – the younger the younger you are that you can apply that you'll be ahead of the power curve as you get older so yeah I, you know I, I I feel bad for kids nowadays because it's not like us when we went to school yeah um, and we got picked on or we we dealt with those kind of issues and then we could detach or disconnect because we were insulated yeah but because we go home and there's no social media there's no exposure to anything else right but now kids go home and then they check their Facebook or they check their Instagram and they're still getting picked on. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you can't escape that shit. Yeah, I know. Which, like, you know, yeah. It, well, no. it does a lot of bad things. My, you know, one of my favorite things is one of the influencers that we, we, uh, follow was talking about how, uh, you know, social media in a way, technology in a way, isn't really as negative, um, as we think it is. In fact, it exposes our weaknesses more. Yeah. And he uses the analogy of like, Hey, it, before it used to be you sat in front of somebody with a cup of coffee telling them how great you were and how your life didn't suck. Yeah. But now you can't get away with doing that because you can't hide. Yeah. And, you know, my, my whole thing is with get, being exposed to this, to this recently, and I can't say it enough. I am that fucking perfect. Yeah. Like, I make mistakes all the fucking time. Fuck. My life... Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's my, like, you're fucking fired. Get yeah, out of here. <laughs> my life my life is not a mistake. So to be judged like I'm some fucking manic retard or... At, oh, sorry. I take that word back. <laughs> yeah, take that Man, word back. I, I don't mean to say that. I'm sorry. I have to get that out of my vocabulary. But some manic asshole who's like yeah. a, a dick, it's like, that's not who I am. 
Yeah. You know who knows who, who I am? Kurt knows who I am because he knows me more than anybody on this planet. Inside and out, brother. Inside and out. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> sorry, I, sorry, guys. Uh, we're going to edit yeah, that you out. Scoped, you used that endoscope on me for, <laughs> as an experiment. It was like yeah. for R&D. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah. And so, and so I'm not worried about what the fuck people think when they barely know me, right? They're exposed to certain elements of me. Yeah. And yeah, I might piss off some people, but you know what? At the end of the day, my circle, my tribe is who the fuck matters to me. Right. And if you're not in my tribe, I don't give a fuck what you think. I hate to say it like that, <laughs> but I don't care. Yeah. Because I could waste the energy in destroying myself worried about what you fucking think outside of that circle. Yeah. But the reality is what I can control, uh, what I understand is the compassion, the love, the respect that I have within my circle and anybody outside that circle can eat a dick. <laughs> a small micro Asian eat. penis. I think that's spelled E-A-T-A-D-I-K, right? Yeah. Eat a dick? Yeah. E-D-C, uh, every dick carry. <laughs> eat a dick carry. Got eat it. a dick, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's all good points. I think the... And I always talk about this, you know, with a lot of my posts and I, I posted something today about mental toughness because I'm jumping back on that before I, you know, rolled my truck and bumped my <laughs> You had some real good <laughs> mental toughness till you roll that truck. Now you're like, fuck. Uh, I can't remember a phone number. No, um, no, but the good, you know, the like what you're talking about is like basically allowing positivity in and keeping negativity out. Right. So it's like, yeah like a pretty simple concept. It's actually difficult to apply, but, uh, you know, I've talked about it in past posts and it's like, Hey, if that's not benefiting me, uh, positively, you know, with my mental health, with my physical health, emotional health, then I don't want it to be around me. I've been taking your advice recently. I need to take my own advice sometimes. Yeah. You know, my wife would, she told me that the other night. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always good to have a significant other that holds rubs you, in your fucking face. <laughs> who holds you to a high standard is what I'll say. She writes in like lipstick <laughs> on the mirror, take your own fucking advice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, and you know, it's like Mike said, neither of us are perfect. Uh, we're always striving to be better and, um, and digging through all this stuff, I think through our past and what we're doing now, it's just like, Hey man, this is like stuff that's actually helped me. And, uh, given again, people, a tangible takeaway that they can apply to their own life, um, and make a difference. So, which I, is cool. Lastly on the mindset stuff is divisiveness. You know, I, what I've realized is it's not just about receiving toxicity, right? Cause a lot of people, even who are positive could be actually being negative um, by putting it out, right? They could they could like talk shit or say negative yeah. things about people behind their backs. Sure, I dude, I've never been that guy. You know me since we were on team together. I never talk shit behind anybody's back. Yeah, because I don't like to talk shit about anybody behind their back because I know what happens with that information and what it manifests itself into, especially the team dynamic. Oh yeah, where all of a sudden. Like it becomes this, it's this gossiping, right? It's just yeah. this cancer that grows. And so, you know, I could have a fallout with a friend, with a family member, with a, whatever. And I, in my circle, they might know, but I'm not going to talk shit uh, and, and destroy somebody outside of that. And the problem that we have today is everybody wants to feel entitled yeah. and feel like they have a fucking voice. That's fine. Right. But do it in a positive manner. You come out and you, you're divisive, you only make yourself look like a fucking asshole. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, when, it, when the dust settles, 
The reality is you're the one who's toxic, not everybody else. So stop spewing. If you're that person who's negative, be positive it, no matter what, not, not just in the reciprocation of information, yeah, but on actually on the distro of that. Or even being like positive superficially, right? Like just yeah. in the moment and then you turn around and you're a dickhead on the backside. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't be that person. Don't be that gay person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk about your situation. Cause, oh, um, God. You know, so here's, here's the backdrop. Here's you know, the deal. I'm a retired uh, Green Beret. I fucking saved my own life out of a vehicle rollover. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> okay so, so, well, you know, this is before, I think this was last Thursday, right? Uh, or Wednesday. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was about five days ago. So what actually is about six days ago. Last Wednesday. Yeah. So last Wednesday, you were supposed to drive the shot show. You were at my house. That's right. And we were, we were finishing doing... up doing some work, sending emails. Yep. Coming up with some plans. Yep. For and then some business engagements. At the Shot last show. thing I remember <clears throat> is I gave you, ironically, a Phil Cross survival knife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's it's an important part of the story. Yeah, and I was like, Jason, hey, uh, you know, Jason Browse, who owns Browse Blades, that uh, we did the knife with. Yeah, collaboration. S- collaboration folder. Yep. Sent yeah. us the prototypes because we got to R and D it to make sure it's good. Sure. Um, and so he gave me one, you won. And so you came over like, Oh, this is a cool knife. Can I have one of these? I was like, that one's yours. Putting it in my pocket. Jack wagon. And then you took it and then you're like, all right, deuces. And I'm like, cool. Peace out. And yeah, we had a whole lineup, man. We had a lot of work getting done at shot show, <laughs> but guess what? As usual, done? I'm shamming. Oh, sham at the bottom of the stream upside down, like yeah. hanging out on your phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I was doing. <laughs> so then the next thing I know. Probably about twenty minutes later. Yeah, I hear like the door opens. It's like Mike. <laughs> I'm like, I'm All like right. laying in bed. It was not that pathetic. <laughs> Mike, help, help! And I was like, Are you alright, bro? Is that? And he started crying, and I was yeah. like, <laughs> Yeah, no, right. No. But you were in a sad state because yeah. I walked in the living room and you're bleeding from your head. Yeah, which is cool. How we'll post about this. Uh, this uh, episode, we should post that picture and be like, hey, you want to hear about yeah. how Kurt was uh, flipped upside down? Yeah, it was, yeah. So, and then, th- you know, that happened. And then, you know, I, I, I saved your life. And then? <laughs> and then? And then we went back to the, uh, the vehicle to recover guns and ammo. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I took you to the hospital. Yeah. And so, so that's the backdrop. Yeah. So what happened uh, on your end? Yeah, so um, there's a forestry road that leads up or leads up to Mike's house, and uh, so I was leaving the house as he described us doing a little work together prior to me leaving to drive to Shot Show, which is like a seven eight hour drive from where we're at, and um, got about five minutes down the road, and there's a lot of places in the shade uh, on the forestry road that are still covered in snow and ice, and what what had happened? See what had happened was. Um, <laughs> is uh, there was still the the uh, plow came across and plowed the snow off of the road and they left about two inches of ice um, and it had been in single digits at night. So that was just, you know, melting, refreezing, melting, refreezing. And there was about a two inch uh, kind of uh, slab of ice across the road. And it's actually uh, the spot where I wrecked was a near miss for Mike probably about two weeks earlier. 
um, he was able to, to uh, correct his steering and get down the hill nose first uh, versus flipping. Like Same I exact did. spot. Same exact spot, which apparently, uh, according to your neighbors, <laughs> seems to be like... A historical spot. A fucking death trap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, but uh, I got down to that spot. It was a hard 90-degree turn. I wasn't speeding. I was actually uh, driving under the speed limit because of the road conditions, uh, the good thing is I wasn't cited by the state troopers or the forestry service because I was doing the right thing. And, um, and I basically, you know, I tapped the brakes just a little bit and the vehicle just started sliding. And I tried to steer the wheel to get the nose front down. Did you say, Jesus, take the wheel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I said, oh, shit, here I go. <laughs> um, literally in my mind, I was like, oh, fuck, here, here we go. Um, so anyways, I, I slid sideways off an embankment and flipped the truck twice, uh, narrowly missing a boulder, uh, that was shaped like a friggin' arrowhead after looking <laughs> yeah. at it, that if it would have come through it the cab or the, yeah, the, a window, it would have smashed me. So luckily I had, um, rock sliders that were welded, uh, to the frame of the vehicle. Thank you. High country cruisers. <coughs> you probably saved my ass. Um, but I flipped twice and landed against probably a 40 foot pine tree and that rock slider actually kind of, it not kind of, but it did save the side of the vehicle from being crushed, which was the side that I was on. So the airbags deployed, um, you can imagine my vehicle being packed with all the stuff that I'm taking to shot show. Um, and there's shit flying around. Guns, everywhere. Yeah. in the head, ammo yeah. cans. <laughs> Just because that's how we roll, because we have a bars. lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Twinkies, ho hos, <laughs> Monster Energy drink cans. I mean, it was a it was Fall a sight. Clothing. It was a sight to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, but I, I, uh, you know, the vehicle came to rest, which a lot of you saw on Mike's Instagram post. Uh, that was right after the accident. He was actually standing there taking that picture. And then he was like, are you okay? <laughs> no, no kidding. But uh, we took that picture after. But, uh, but you know, the vehicle came to rest upside down. I'm hanging upside down. The whole time I'm, you know, bouncing around the vehicle, I did have my seatbelt on, but I smacked the shit out of my head a couple times. Um, I was like, damn, you know, how ironic. Um, you know, I've been through a lot of stuff overseas, and I hope I don't fucking die right now because that would be... You know, that would just be a shitty ending to the story. <laughs> uh, obviously, it didn't happen, so super appreciative of that. But um, but once I, you know, the vehicle came to a rest, I was upside down, and I'm, I'm like, sitting there like, holy fuck, I'm still alive. Um, and then I noticed that I, you know, I could see blood dripping down my face because I'm dripping blood all over the inside of the vehicle. And th at that point, I was like, okay, I'm cut. I'm feeling where I'm cut, you know, uh, kind of checking my head because I was tuned up a little bit, definitely in shock. Um, and the first thing I thought of was like, fuck, I want to get out of the vehicle um, in case it catches on fire or something. I don't want to be pinned in here. And, uh, you know, modern vehicles today's day and age, probably the, the chances of them catching on fire are probably relatively low unless you puncture a gas tank and, you know, something crazy happens. But I don't know why, but that was what was kind of in my nugget was get the fuck out of the vehicle, um, you know, to see what else is going on. So I uh, basically pulled the new Browse Blade, the Fieldcraft Edition folder, <laughs> out of my pocket um, and had the presence of mind to understand that I had limited visibility because the side curtain airbags had deployed. 
um, and I could not see out of the windows to try to figure out how to get out of the vehicle. So the back window and the back of the cab had crushed and broke the window out. I couldn't get out that way because I had an overland tent and a rhino rack platform on the, the you know, the, the bed of the truck. Um, so, you know, I immediately started looking left and right to get out of one of the doors. The, the windshield was still intact. Um, but I'm like, okay, get out of one of the doors. And so, uh, the first door that I went to was the downhill side, because I thought that, um, if I could get out on the downhill side, based off of how the vehicle was resting, I would have less resistance getting out of the vehicle. So I, you know, deployed the knife and I hit the airbags, you know, cut those uh, to deflate them. And I realized at that point, the only reason why it stopped rolling is because I was rested against a 40 foot pine tree that had pinned the door and I wasn't going to get out that way. So I went back to the opposite side of the vehicle, um, kind of crawling around, bleeding everywhere. And then I punctured uh, the other side airbag. And that was the uphill side, which was uh, not conducive to opening the door. <laughs> Um, but you know, uh, they say, you know, when people are in shock or when they're worried about saving their own life, you get like kind of a, a superhuman strength and no bullshit. I fucking opened that door like a boss. Um, and you saw how hard it was to get back in once we went to recover everything out of the vehicle. Um, but I had somehow, you know, pushed the door uphill, uh, and got a space wide enough to get outside of the vehicle and when I got outside of the vehicle, you know, I did, I did kind of a, a self-assessment from the get-go, like to make sure that I didn't have any major bleeders or anything like that, kind of using the March out algorithm. Um, just in my own head, I'm like, okay, I'm bleeding. Okay, it's over my eye. That's not serious right now. I was like feeling my head for any puncture wounds and that kind of stuff because it was just, you know, my head hurt. Um, and then the rest of my body, I'm like, okay, I can move extremities, nothing, no major bleeds. I'm good. Uh, that was the initial after the vehicle came to a rest and then I got out of the vehicle and then I did that again just to make sure because obviously a lot of times when you're in shock, you could be seriously injured and not even know it um, unless you're paralyzed or something like that and then you can't move. So got outside of the vehicle and where I, where the wreck happened, you know, it was in a, a kind of a shitty spot for observation from the road. So had I been knocked out or something like that, there was a good possibility that nobody would ever found me down there you know, until potentially it was too late, you know, if I had a major bleeder and couldn't treat myself or something like that. So that was kind of scary. Realized that got up to the top of the road. Did you, you didn't assess, how did you assess your medical? Um, just, like, just I mean, kind of touchy feely. Cause yeah. I didn't have, um, so like you get in the mirror. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hindsight being 2020 probably should have grabbed my phone flipped the camera around, you know, and could have probably done a quick assessment that way to see you left the phone inside. I did. Yeah. So that area of the road that I was on, um, there's not very good service there. Yeah. It's just smart to get out of the car anyway, cause right. it could be on fire. Yeah. So I, I bailed and then I jumped up, you know, I crawled up to the top of the road and my next thought process was, okay, I'm okay right now, but I need to get my fucking truck. <laughs> um, because that started to set in a little bit and I was pretty disappointed about the fact because obviously, you know, we were going to sell the truck. We had a buyer for the truck in Texas and the profit was going to go to Gold Star Teen Adventure. So a lot of those different things started setting in. Um, and then uh, I waved down your neighbor, which was cool because there's not a lot of traffic on that road. And they came up and I looked crazy as fuck because my hair was all fucked up and I had blood all over my face. And I kind of waved him down and said, hey, I'm, you know, Mike's buddy. I need to get back up to the house and I need help. 
And uh, so she was like, oh my God, are you okay? Um, She's got like a revolver pointed at your <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the door. Yeah, right. She had a double barrel. <laughs> yeah, they're from Texas. Sawed off. Um, no, but they, she realized who I was. And then, you know, we went up, uh, you know, and then I linked up with you at the house. You did a assessment on me medically to make sure I wasn't all fucked up. And at that point, I think is when I said, hey, man, I don't feel good. Like my head's banged up. And so, uh, you know, obviously at that point, we're going to the ER. So, yeah. So what do you, what were you thinking? Like literally, you know how they say like, you know, your life flashes before your eyes. Yeah. Is, were you thinking anything as you were going over? No, I was saying, oh fuck. <laughs> so you're like literally like yeah. verbally saying something out loud, which is, yeah. means probably consciously you weren't thinking too much because you were saying it. Yeah. Did you, did you brace yourself? Uh, I did. I was trying to grab the inside of the vehicle. The seatbelt locked. Uh, which is a good thing, but I yeah. was also kind of bracing off the door in the center console, which I think probably helped uh, lessen the impact of me bouncing around. I mean, obviously the seatbelt locking was probably the first. And the airbag punching you in the face? <laughs> yeah. And then the side airbags deploying, obviously. Did you cut all the airbags or uh, pop them all? Yeah, I popped everything getting out. Yeah. I was just wondering for the buyback. <laughs> Put <laughs> yeah. that in place. Mike's like, I want that salvage title. <laughs> oh, man. So, no, but it's, I mean, it's, it does blow, dude. I mean. Well, you got, I know when I went in the vehicle and then when we towed it, there was blood on the passenger side, uh, side airbag. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, like, if it, you know, you impacted the airbag, punching you in the face, splitting your head, and then flung blood as you're rolling. Yeah, probably. Because it was pretty significant, the blood coming out of your face. Yeah, it was Even a good... Even the scar now is pretty... It was a good bleeder. Pretty gnarly. Yeah. Um, so then you, you roll, and you get to the point where you're, like, discombobulated. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> did you did you do a self... When you do, like, a... You know, you said you did a self-assessment check. Yep. Did you actually physically put your hands on yourself? Yeah, I did because, and I think what drove me to do that is I was bleeding and that, that stopping the blood, right? Yeah. Stopping I mean, loss. it, it, uh, that got my attention real quick because I mean, you know, the, the amount of blood that I, that was pouring out of my eye was like you said, when you looked inside, there was blood all over the inside. So that worried me. Cause I'm like, fuck, that's a bleeder. I got to stop that immediately. Um, I felt where it was at and then basically put a little bit of pressure on it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't too terribly bad after that. It dried up pretty quickly. Um, so that was really it. But I mean, I, I literally was like hands on my nugget all the way through my body, like kind of feeling everything cause I was banged up pretty good. And, uh, but I was like, okay, I, physically I can get myself out. And so, <clears throat> you know, it was actually interesting because my wife, was like, I don't know if I would have had the presence of mind to pop the airbags to see to get out of the vehicle. Like, she's like, I think, you know, like, I don't know if I would have been brave enough to well, even think about doing that. Well, you know, it's crazy that, that I'm thinking about now is those those airbags would have kept you in the vehicle if you didn't pop them. Absolutely. So if you didn't yeah. have the ability to pop them, you'd just been stuck upside down. And, you know, we're bigger dudes trying right. to get out of that vehicle. You're not going to get past those airbags. Right. So that's something that's weird. You know, I think it's like saving your life, but it's also encapsulating you because it's side right side airbags, which are in the the between the A and B pillar. Right. And then um, the complete passenger and uh, driver's airbags coming out of the the dash and the steering wheel. Right. And you're almost contained. Right. And and if you didn't have anything sharp, so one lesson learned is you know have have a knife on your person. We promote that in EDC, right? Everyday yeah. carry. 
Another thing is, what I think about is if you would have if you would have actually fractured or um, oh, injured dude. your femur, I know where you're going with this because started I was, bleeding. Yeah, not you had tourniquets in the truck because I found them when I was going through the truck. Right. Um, I keep them in the center console and I keep them in the glove box, but yeah, that kind of made me think: is that the best place to well, be carrying all that stuff? You know where we? I put it when I used to do contract work. We would rubber band them, and now it makes sense to me now. Yeah, we would rubber band them to you know where you grab, and you uh, you uh, we would put them in the visor, or we put them on that little handle that would be typically yeah. up by the a, the oh shit handle. The oh shit handle. <laughs> we would rubber band them to that handle. Yeah, but now that I think about it. Because the airbag deploys behind that, right? Uh, that putting them in the visor, yeah, um, in a sleeve or in a container or in a rubber band, yep, might be the best. Because look, you need to have number one. The the, the best would be hey EDC, like it's on your person, it's on right. your belt. Um, but you have to have access to that. Because imagine you flipped, you rolled, you have a fractured femur, you realize you have blood, now you gotta stop the bleed. Yeah. So you're going, you apply the tourniquet, now that's one level, right? That's that's probably the most extreme um, injury that you have to deal with, but now how are you gonna get out of the vehicle? So now you're you're working on, on uh, breaching the vehicle. Yeah. But so, you know, one takeaway is uh, having your EDC knife, but also having your EDC tourniquet. Yeah, because accessible. Accessible. Yeah. And then, so even if you have upgraded equipment in your vehicle, like you need to be thinking about, like, like you just said, like an applicable place for the tourniquet. Where if I'm flipped upside down and I have to treat myself in that kind of an environment, uh, I can reach for the tourniquet and treat myself. Absolutely. I also think about, you know, I've been to a cool breaching course which is called extraction, where you know, the. Uh, the scenario is you roll up on a vehicle to rescue the QRF, quick reaction force guys, and rescue them. And then now you have to extract them out of a vehicle, yeah. or roll over, or whatever. And, and some of the considerations were, hey, that's really cool for the for extracting out because you can use Jaws of Life, all this high-speed equipment that you show up with. Sure. But what happens when you're stuck in the vehicle? Right. Which but, is scary. Which is scary. <laughs> and we did it with armored vehicles, which... I told guys, like, hey, man, if you're in an armored vehicle and you roll yeah. and it compromises the uh, integrity of the the shell outside of the glass, the yeah. bulletproof glass, it's almost impossible to get out of. Well, the crazy thing is a good, you know, this is actually, uh, it's a sad story, but it's a good example of what happens is uh, we had just, uh, we were just rotating out of Afghanistan in 2008. Seventh Special Forces Group was coming in to rip out with us and... You know, that was the transition between GMVs and gun trucks uh, that were all chopped down and the Range Rovers and all that stuff that we had you yeah. know, on the... Open. That's what we were at in the open. Yeah. Open. So, um, and then we went to the RG31, the 33, and all these up-armored platforms. Well, that rotation... The we had, MRAPs, right? The big-ass yeah, armored the, vehicles? Yeah, the yeah. RG33, the 31. We had just basically done our transition, our handover. I was still in country... And um, I remember a seventh group team had rolled a, an RG33 or 31, and they were over in Kandahar province, um, and that thing fell into a, a ditch. And one of the guy, uh, I believe one of the guys from seventh group drowned on the inside because they, uh, he couldn't horrible. get out. Well, I remember, you know, in early, I mean, not early, but, you know, the task force days, 06, 07, 08, we, we were rolling around in strikers. Right. And they had cases or they had, 
you know, tragedies where guys had rolled them in ditches. You know, yeah. there it's all farmer irrigation. Exactly. You roll into one of those, you're 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 not coming out of it. Yeah. And you would actually get trained prior to the deployment on Heeds bottles, uh-huh. which were little oxygen O2 bottles, O2 bottles yeah. where if we went under, we'd at least have a supply of oxygen to refer. And I'm like, dude, this is like hairy shit, man. Yeah. I mean, we're if you're depending on your life in a Heeds bottle in a mud pile of water that filled up your cab, yeah, that's I mean, that's bad. a couple minutes. And yeah. then what are you going to do? I mean, dude, that's a, a bad situation. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what would you, you know, I, I carry, uh, I used to carry, I actually still have it, but I don't carry it often. Uh, I carried it in my contracting days, uh, Dan Winkler breaching axe yeah. on the inside of the cab so I could breach out of the vehicle. Yeah. It, you know, you had your knife. Was there any other kind of type of tool that you could have utilized get, getting out? Um, I mean, if anything, I had a pistol in there. I could have tried to, you know, smash the fuck out of a window with a pistol or something like that. Um, and then, I mean, basically my pocket knife. So definitely having a breaching tool of sorts. What about a glass breaker on the end of your knife? Because I know some, some yeah. companies make that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple different companies out there that have a, <clears throat> basically on the ass end of the knife, um, it's used for, you know, attacking uh, the corners of the glass to bust it out, um, which is obviously a smart thing to have. I probably could have done that with uh, Jason's knife. I would have had to be pretty aggressive with it, but that knife is built really well. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, we're, you know, Mike and I were looking at it and we're like, this knife is built like a fucking tank. Um, but, you know, in the situation that I was in, I didn't have to do that. So definitely a consideration though. is like, hey, if you're trapped and pinned inside, um, or it could have been, you know, because I had the use of my legs is trying to kick the, uh, actually kick out the windshield. You know? Oh, it'd be hard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of that stuff, like it's, it briefs well until you actually try to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's some pretty serious shit. And then, you know, it, if you're injured, it only compounds, you know, the difficulty of being able to do something like that. So I think some of the major takeaways are, um, obviously tourniquets that are accessible, whether they're rubber banded <clears throat> at handles, um, or, you know, Velcro down somewhere, uh, where you can get to it. So the same principle that you would apply to wearing it on your body, um, and being able to get to it with either hand. Right. And then, uh, obviously a friggin' everyday carry blade, I think is essential. I always, I've, I've rolled with a blade for 20 years. Um, I don't, <laughs> I look at it more as a tool than a self-defense uh, device, but great example is me being able to cut my way out of airbags and gain visibility inside of the vehicle to see which way to go. Um, and then, like you said, a breaching axe or some type of uh, device where you can break glass. Um, if your knife isn't capable of doing that, um, you may want to run a small breaching axe or something like that. And then, you know, quite honestly, I mean, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was not cool. So, well, you know, I, what I think about too is you know because we're in an area where you can go and be remote and off-roading and all kinds of crazy stuff and get stuck in the middle of nowhere well if you fall off and where we live you'll die serious elevation you're not coming back from that well i even think about a breakdown like a car breaking down in the middle of the trail yeah and one thing that uh i always recommend is the minimalist survival kit that we sell because uh, exposure is going to kill like Imagine you're upside down that ditch and you broke something or you're stuck. Dude. Dude, you would have had to it was survive. Insane. Yeah. I think that night it was forecasted to be seven degrees. Yeah. It was going to get down to seven degrees. Now imagine yourself being injured and you're trying to, you know, fight for your life while you're pinned inside of a vehicle and you've got nothing, you know? Well, that's why I like, I mean, this is plugging our kit, but I, I like the fact that 
you could have a kit in the glove box, but then you could start a fire if you had to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could signal for help if you had to. Yeah. You could wrap your body in a space blanket if you have to. All these little things that people don't think about. Absolutely. Like, dude, yeah. just buy the kit and put it everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I have one inside my glove box. I have one inside um, the house, one in my go bag. Yep. I mean, obviously, I get them for free. It's <laughs> a benefit. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're looking at uh, the, you know, the cost versus reward, there's no yeah. um, cost that, you know, that can't. Uh, give you enough security like uh, something like that would. My argument with the whole thing is like everybody always thinks it's never going to happen to them until it does. Yeah. And, you know, we don't think like that because we've been through shitty situations and combat deployments and, you know, going all over the world and dealing with different situations. And it's like even though I didn't have things exactly where I, you know, where now I kind of look at that and I have a plan for the next vehicle I get. Uh, but, you know, I'd say, you know, I definitely had the things I needed to save my ass um, and do it right, which, again, it would have been totally shitty if here I am talking about modern survival and all this stuff. So we actually apply what we preach. um, And, you know, I got lucky. I mean, that's the bottom line. You saw the accident and where it happened. It could have turned out a lot different if that boulder had come through the cab or whatever. So yeah, you would have been crushed for sure. Yeah, even so, a tow dr- driver's like, it, if he would have rolled just a little bit over here, he would have fell on top of that rock, and it would have penetrated the cab yeah. easily. Yeah. So yeah, you're lucky, man. I'm glad you're here because I need your work. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> thank goodness you're alive. <laughs> now get um, on those emails. <laughs> get on those emails, bro. Um. So yeah. That's a good lesson learned, man. A lot of good takeaways for survival. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, so, you know, kind of transitioning into what's going on next. Me and you, you know, L.A. and New York have been the most or the biggest influences on, on us as far as like population of people who right. track us. We've been reaching out and actually asking for training. and Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, we're doing a survival seminar February 10th and, and uh, a med seminar slash training on February 11th in L.A., right. Los Angeles. And, um, you know, our February 10th survival seminar is $35. Yeah. It's like four to five hours around in there. And, you know, we're talking about survival, mindset, mitigating stress, uh, med, uh, medical considerations, uh, active shooter, like all these things that are important today and like what we talk about in mindset. Yep. And I think... You know, for $35, I mean, dude, that's how much it costs to go to the movies nowadays to buy a popcorn that's and a true. soda, <laughs> yeah. uh, except we're your entertainers. Yeah. Yeah. It's like well, no book and, on stage. I mean, let's be honest. You're walking away with uh, a lot of knowledge and that hopefully uh, is influencing, uh, you know, a preparation mindset where, I mean, th- there are terrible things that happen. It's unfortunate. And again, everybody thinks it's not going to happen to them until it does. And then you go... I wish I would have done something to help mitigate uh, risk and then also increase my survivability. Well, that's what our company does is we go around and educate people to increase your survivability. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, February 17 and 18 will be um, Gunfighter Pistol, Gunfighter Carbine, and Series Cali. That's right. And then February 3rd, actually next weekend, we'll be in Vegas. Yep. And the way we have it broken down is in Vegas, uh, you know, we're teaching Gunfighter Pistol in Vegas. Uh, John underscore Team Philcraft is teaching uh, Gunfighter Pistol in Texas. That's right. And then Zach is teaching Med the same day, all February yeah. 3rd in Phoenix, Arizona. That's right. And so we're all over the place. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is, you know, I is that a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, they uh, they want to 
you know, come and train with you and I. We have other talented guys that are on the staff uh, that we want to be able to train. Yeah, I think that whole concept, you know, and we'll make sure we're clear about the concept and for who's training. Yeah. But, you know, if somebody asks me, like, oh, why won't you and my, why aren't you and uh, Kurt there? And I'm like, well, listen, man, I mean, John underscore Team Philcraft is a special forces guy. Yeah. He's a full time SWAT guy in Texas. That's right. And he's probably, I mean, he's more qualified in a lot of ways than, than 99.9% of the population is. Right. And, you know, he represents Philcraft, which. Obviously, we're putting on a decent product as far as tactical considerations and training. So it's going to be good. Yeah. And then a no-brainer with doing med with a pararescueman. The guy's a friggin' nationally yeah. registered paramedic. Yeah. Uh, he's got you know different deployments under his belt. Uh, he's still a reservist PJ. His creds are all up to date. And, I mean, you're not going to get – you know, it's pretty rare of an opportunity to get to train with a former Special Forces medic or a pararescueman. Um, who has the capability to teach trauma the way they do because they focus on that a lot in their courses. And so what you're getting with that, you know, when you go to it is literally a special operations medic who's giving you all the best takeaways for treating trauma, which is pretty friggin' awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Zach's good people. So all, all of our guys are good people. Um, hey, so I just want to mention this before we get off. You know, our podcast, we don't have any sponsors for our podcast. We do not. Because we decided to bump the... the uh, yeah, we didn't want to inundate everybody with like 8 million advertisements. <laughs> yeah, so here's this short advertisement <laughs> yeah. instead. Right. Um, one of the advertisements that we do is uh, uh, basically I want to make sure that you guys know, you guys and gals know that this is a free podcast with no interruptions. And if you guys want to uh, donate, you can donate to our podcast uh, fund, which is uh, info at philcraftsurvival.com on PayPal. So go to PayPal, type in info at philcraftsurvival.com, and help. $5 helps, man. I mean, anything helps because more uh, frequently, we're going to do more podcasts. And also, if we have the budget, fly people to to us. Yeah, that's the goal. That's, that's the, the goal. Yeah. yeah, I want like my our whole thing is we the interaction that we have with people, yeah, is magic. And so we we I mean want that. look at the magic right now. And I know. if you put another Your pants are another off. piece of magic in here. Oh man, dude, it's, it's gonna be magic. Effective magic. <laughs> Pearl's like, take me home, yeah. daddy. Yeah. Um so yeah. So if you guys are interested, do that. Philcraftsurvival.com, uh Kurt underscore team Philcraft. Actual. Uh, Actual? Are you doing it? Are you changing it? I don't know. We'll figure yeah. it out. I still need ideas for names, guys. Oh uh, yeah. I, I guess people are doing a lot of. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hear your ideas. It's going to be like yeah. penis underscore. Yeah, micro craft. Yeah, <laughs> crap. That's a good company name. Yeah. And then uh, at Soft Survivor. But hey, guys, we appreciate all the things that you guys do for us. I had a good course this weekend in Phoenix uh, with a lot of good people, man. Good LE guys, uh, good civilians that want to prepare themselves. And that's the whole point. Yep. Awesome. All right, man. Eh, eh. <laughs> I don't even know what I just said. All right. I'll, I'll, let me lead this you off. Just go ahead. You do this. Remember, guys. Stay alert. Stay alive. You did so well. <laughs>